What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. We are back with a post game. The Memphis Grizzlies pull off a thrilling victory over the Utah Jazz in Utah, which is insane. Glad they done it. Grizzlies improved to nine and eight. Final score of one nineteen to one eighteen. And again, this is no longer the Hootball Grizz podcast. This is the Sports Ethos Grizz podcast. As we have transitioned into a new name, so Isaac, this new era. is your uh, your first time on the show. Welcome. Yeah, man, first time Sports Ethos Grizzlies, man. Uh, new era uh, for the for the podcast. New era for the brand. So uh, I'm excited about it. But yeah, man, it glad to be back. On, on the program, but it's uh, a big win and not at all what I expected tonight. I know I told you right before the game tips, I was like, man, I'm, I'm worried about this one, man. This one could get ugly, but not at all. I mean, dude, when this when you think this Grizzlies team is not going to perform well, man, you get blown out by 45, 40-plus in, in Minnesota, then you come out and go to Utah, a, a team that doesn't lose many games at home, and – you go out there, man, and get a 119-118 victory and just battle back. Was down late. Bogdanovich just going nuts there in the fourth quarter. And you were able to overcome that. I think you were down six with maybe a little bit over a minute to go and able to win this game. And uh, some weird stuff happened there at the end. And I'm mean, sure we'll talk about it here coming up. But uh, just, just a big-time win for this team. And look at this box score. And one thing that you really like about this one is the the, the key guys that you feel like are for sure going to be a part of this team going forward all had big games tonight. And that's what you want to see. Uh, all those guys stepped up and made big-time shots, big-time plays all night long, and it was just a fantastic game and a fantastic win for this ball club. Dude, Brandon Clark. Like, just that, huge off I, the bench. I, I've, got, I've got to talk about him, and, and he obviously, like, he was not – didn't have the biggest impact on the game out of the, the players overall, but he was huge. Yeah, I, I've been I've been saying, you know, Joe Mullinax started that thing last year with uh, with Desmond Bain, wanting Bain to start. And he, he would always all caps start Desmond Bain, you cowards. And, and I've robbed it from him this year. So, Joe, I appreciate you letting me borrow that from you. But th- this team is so much better when Brandon Clark is in this rotation and him and Jaron are helping each other on the defensive end. That freaking block shot. Holy crap. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like, this is just a dunk. And he managed to block that shot. I still don't know how he got to that thing. It was a, a fantastic play by him. And, you know, like just an overall, you, you look at the box score, the plus, you know, plus minus, he was a negative one. But like that doesn't, we tell you all the time, the plus minus yeah. is good. You talk about it. it it's it's not really telling of how impactful he was, you know, and you you can look across the board and see, where other guys were, were positive or negative, but j- just huge minutes for Brandon Clark. Twenty, almost twenty six minutes tonight. Had ten points, nine rebounds, that massive block shot, just good basketball from him. And what about that uh, that closing lineup, man? That's uh, I-, I saw a lot of people talking about it. I realized it was going on, and I I got to admit I was a little bit nervous at first, but then you look at the essentially. He played nine guys, but it was really just eight. Yeah. You look at the eight guys that he played, and who else do you want in there? You know, maybe you could argue that Kyle Anderson should have been in there to close, but it worked out for him. And I didn't even tell you, Zaire Williams was in the closing lineup. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I, he, he has looked, um, Ryan on, on Twitter, he was talking about it, and he said, Zaire is just looking better. He, he's, 
not looking as lost on the offensive More end. confident for sure. Yeah, he, he's making – he's getting the, the defensive rotations down. There were mistakes that were happening early in the season, and he's still – he's a rookie. He's still going to make mistakes, but he, he played well. He done a great job closing this game. And I, I know, you know, like like I said, I was nervous. I didn't know that it was a great decision. It's good because you need him to get minutes in these types of games because you want him to reach his potential, and he's going to need this type of experience. So, you know, good on him for playing well enough that, you know, coach was confident in him, confident enough to leave him out there. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, I, I, and I've said many times, even being a guy who's a little – leans a little bit more towards maximizing your potential now, and I'm not, not saying go out making any trades or anything, just playing like you're trying to win every game, not extra rest for guys and things like that. We know this front office looks toward the future, but when it comes to Zaire Williams, you take a guy – 10th overall plan and they started that from day one and they have not backed off of it you think maybe when he struggles they might decide oh well we're going to go away from this uh we're going to play some other guys but they have i mean they've doubled out even tripled out on it and he's in that closing lineup in a close game against the utah jazz tonight and, and you look at that like man that's a risky move man but it, it ended up working out for him and, and again they have not backed off of that and i'm glad they stuck to their guns because long term it's going to pay off i mean you don't really see guys develop without having it playing time, and he's getting it from, from day one. And I think long-term, this is going to be really, really good for him. But to kind of go back to something that you were talking about a minute ago and something that we've talked about before as far as the, the big rotation, kind of an interesting distribution of the minutes tonight. If you look at it, Jared Jackson Jr., uh, 34 minutes tonight. Uh, Steven Adams, 24 minutes. Brandon Clark, 26 minutes mm-hmm. off the bench. So Jared and, and Brandon Clark with more minutes. Brandon Clark with more minutes than Steven Adams tonight. And – We've got a call for that, man. We want to see Brandon in there at their fourth spot, Jared Jackson starting at the five, and Steven Adams kind of coming off the bench and, and, and being getting more minutes when you're playing up against guys like, I mean, you like guys like tonight going up against Gobert. That makes it even more interesting uh, because this is the night where you think that you'd have more Steven Adams, and that wasn't the case. So maybe, maybe it's heading that way, man. Maybe they're starting to kind of see what we see. But Brandon Clark, just tremendous impact off the bench tonight, the nine rebounds. Uh, just fantastic. Some big offensive rebounds in that block uh, going down, leading to a Desmond Main three. I think it was a 10-2 run to tie the game at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a, just a big-time, big-time block right there. And, um, and, again, you look down this box score and just guys contributing all over the bar. The starters, just fantastic tonight. And you look at Steven Adams. He only scored two points, and he was 0-3 from the field. But I thought he played really well tonight. I thought he probably had one of his better games as, as a Grizz. I mean, you could look at the other numbers. Eight rebounds, four assists, three steals, a block, uh, two or two from the free throw line, and some, some big offensive rebounds that, that kept some possessions alive that they ended up scoring on uh, that they really needed. I thought he played really well tonight as well. A couple of really nice assists, man. And that's, you know, we, we don't talk about his passing. His ability as a passer is incredible for a big man. And while he is definitely not playing up to what we would like to see him playing, like we're – He's not playing at the level that I was expecting from Steven Adams coming into this season, and it, it's still working. Like it, it's there's some games when it's rough. Obviously, you know, they're one game over 500. You know, we we've been talking about off and on all year how they've been Jekyll and Hyde. You know, good here, bad there, whatever the case may be. I I think that if Adams ever turns that corner. And he starts playing at the level that we kind of expected from him. 
it's going to be a huge boost for this team. But even playing where he's at right now, he's still making some great plays and yeah. being impactful for this very team, impactful. only scoring two points. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been kind of critical of him as of late. I mean, this year he's missed a lot of shots at the rim. I mean, just bunnies, easy looks. Mm-hmm. He'll get the offensive rebound, put him back up. To, and we're so used to seeing those go in with Don Junis last year. That was kind of his M.O. And job would go down there, those layups and stuff that he missed in the paint, those those floaters, he'd tip them back in. Steven Adams hasn't been great at doing that. But, again, tonight, I mean, I think he showed his worth on this team. And you talk about his passing. I still don't think it – we've talked about it some, and I still don't think it – gets enough credit overall. I mean, I, he's been fantastic. He passed out of the post, finding cutters, finding guys for corner threes. And he's a high a high IQ basketball player and does a lot of good things out there. Uh, you like to see the offensive numbers better, but even with free throws, I mean, he's been a lot better from the free throw line than expected. Had a little rough patch there, but he seems to be back on track now. Uh, so if, if he ever gets back up to that, that 10, 12, 13 points a game, that's kind of where I thought he would be. Maybe even 14 with this team, I thought he'd be a little bit better offensively uh, for, for several reasons on this team than he was in New Orleans. I think they'd be be really good. But, again, man, he's still making an impact on this team. Uh, one, one big stat tonight I think that really helped him, and Taylor Jenkins talked about that this after the game, only seven turnovers tonight, uh, which mm-hmm. is going against a team like Utah as good as they are defensively. I mean, that's a a, a big-time, big-time stat right there. Grizz with 24 points off the Jazz turnovers. Jazz with only two points off Grizzlies turnovers in a game. You're not going to see – a game against Utah much where you a team only has seven turnovers also out rebound Utah tonight, 50 to 46, 16 to 10 on offensive backboards. I mean, those are just two big, big numbers. And that's one of the reasons why they were able to win this game. I mean, the offensive rebound, second chance points, uh, 24 points, like I said, a second ago off Utah jazz miscues. Um, and, and that's kind of what kept them in this game. Um, I mean, there were times where Utah looked like they could, could would go on these little runs. They go up seven to eight, but they never really, got that big run like we're used to seeing we jared talked about this in his walk-off he said that they played this utah team so many times now that there's kind of a comfort level like even mm-hmm. when they go on these runs they feel like they know them enough and certain tendencies that they have to where they can get back in the game and again man they, they were able to do that tonight the second chance points was a big part of them staying in it uh those big offensive rebounds we talked about brendan clark steven adams jaron jackson guys just all over the backboards tonight and and that's really Big going up against Gobert and, and Son Whiteside, who kind of got loose there early in the game, kind of carried the Jazz in the first half. Man, he they really he really didn't do much into the second half. Once he got his minutes, they kind of shut him down after that big first quarter that they had. So fantastic job defensively. Uh, even you look at the numbers here, uh, David uh, Mitchell only uh, 18 points in the game, but five of 20 from the floor. Uh, Jordan Clarkson off the bench, who's just a, a microwave player for them. Only nine points tonight, only three of nine, and one of six from three. That's very uncharacteristic of him. So a good job by the guards defensively tonight to keep those guys from going off. When Mitchell, even though he scored 18 points, I mean, he really struggled to, to get those 18 points. Didn't shoot the basketball well, and I think that's a testament to the defense tonight. Five for 20 from the field for Donovan Mitchell without our best on-ball defender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, man. Desmond man. Bain. Eight days you know, a week. He, he had – uh, a phenomenal game offensively. And we, we've watched him kind of get off to a hot start in the first a Two couple of times. Yeah. And he hasn't, you know, we've not really watched him have it through the whole game yet this year. And, and he did, you know, t- 28 points, 12 for 20, Career high. Field, four for eight from three. Um, but to me, his biggest play was the end of the game. 
You know, one-on-one, yeah. on one, Donovan Mitchell, he stayed in front of him, didn't foul him, contested the shot, led to a missed shot, just stepping up. You know, De Desmond Bain is not known to be one of the better defenders on this team. Not that he's a liability. He's obviously not that. But, you, you know, if you have a choice between Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, nine times, not even nine, probably ten times out right, of ten. Ten times out of ten, yeah. You're going to want Dylan Brooks guarding Donovan Mitchell. We didn't have that luxury tonight because Dylan was out with that uh, hamstring injury. So, you know, you stick Desmond Bain on him, and he, he comes through. John Morant made sure to give Desmond credit in the, the post game, talking about, you know, a, a ton of credit, or he said a lot of credit goes to Des on that last possession, you know, defensively. And, and that's – I, I want to mention something here and, and kind of get your thoughts and see if you really think that this is going to be the point in the season when they turn the corner – uh, we, we heard multiple guys in the post-game presser talk about they had a team meeting when they landed in Utah about what team do they want to be. Do they want to be this team that got hammered in Minnesota or do they want to be this team that just competed with one of the best teams in the NBA? And obviously they've got a lot of guys on this team that want to win and they don't want to be the team that got beat by 40 in Minnesota. So do you think that that was it? Like that team meeting is the point where they, you know, plant their foot and turn and head the other direction this season. Yeah, man, you get beat by whatever, I think 45, 43, whatever it ended up being last, uh, against Minnesota. I can't even remember what the final score was. I know it was 40 plus. Uh, when, when you get punched in the mouth like that, man, it, it's time to take a look in the mirror. And, and I think they knew that. Uh, and they had to meet when Utah, I mean, you look, it has to come to a head at some point. I mean, this, they're like, man, we were in the playoffs last year. We are getting beat by 40 points by bad teams, just getting blown off the floor and not even competing. Like, I'm sure they asked, of course, this is not us. We're better than this. And, and I, I really do think that had a lot to do with what we saw tonight. I, I think it was gut check time, and they responded, uh, came out. I mean, you who would have thought this coming tonight? Again, I, I – Kind of talked about what my 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 DM to you earlier before the game tip, and this is not what I expected. I don't think anybody expected this going to Utah again at altitude, a team that doesn't lose it lose a lot at home. We saw how much trouble they had with them in the playoffs last year. You, you eleven point underdog coming into this game, you just don't expect this. It's coming off a forty five point loss uh, to to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they come out and, and compete and never quit. I mean, you go down, I think six with like a minute left in this game and you could fold up the tent and that's not what happened. Uh, they, they kept playing and were able to come out with a big victory. I do think a lot of that had to do with them taking a look in the mirror and hopefully they completely turn the corner. Hopefully we're not talking about this Jekyll and Hyde team no more anymore. That Taylor Jenkins has said over and over that we have been two different teams this year and there, but they continue to do it. And there wasn't any answer for it. Hopefully we have those answers, but hopefully this is the start of something. This is the type of win that could start something like that. And, you look at next week, I mean, they have three games on the home floor. Uh, very winnable. Uh, you have the Toronto Raptors team that, that's struggling on Wednesday. You have the Atlanta Hawks who have regressed to, to, to the mean a little bit coming in on Friday. And then you have the Sacramento Kings on Sunday evening. Those are three very, very winnable games. I mean, those are games that you'll probably be favored in all three of those games. And if you can get those three games, uh, you look at that being four games over 500, and we're in a completely different situation because I looked up at the standings tonight and – they, they were eight coming into the night. They moved up to six, and they're only two games out of third behind Utah. And I was kind of surprised to see that uh, when I looked at the standings. That is not kind of where, where, I, where I thought they were, but they're only three games 
out behind uh, the two games behind third place Utah. So despite their struggles and where they were and, and, and losing some games, man, they're probably higher than I, I guess a lot of people would have thought they'd be right now. Probably especially we've seen that Dylan Brooks has missed time and you had some other guys out. So I mean things are things are fine, man. They just gotta gotta keep playing and can't have any more of these blowout losses like they're doing, man. You gotta have the type of effort they have tonight. And if they bring that type of effort on a night in night out basis, they're gonna win more games than they lose. Yeah, excuse me. You're going to run into games throughout the course of a season. I remember, I think it was, man, with the the condensed season, stuff kind of runs together. But I remember before LaMarcus Aldridge went to Brooklyn in in San Antonio, they had a game at the Forum where the Spurs shot like 58% on the night and something crazy, like close to 50%. It felt like they hit every shot in that game. And Aldridge just was not missing. And you're going to have games where you get beat like that, where the team is just on, everything is falling for them. You, you know, you need to go left, and it turns out that, you know, you can't go left, everything else is right. You, just one thing after another, and it piles up. But they've had a lot of those games early in the season, and it's not because the teams are having that good of a game. It's because they lost interest. And John Morant even hinted at it in the post game, talking about, you know, we can't just go out there and be going through the motions. Yeah, you and you so, can see that yeah. in that Minnesota game. Like they, yeah, man, look the like they want to be anywhere, cool. anywhere but there. Uh, in that game, the body language was was awful. And uh, I think it was former it was former Grizzlies head coach Huey Brown uh, from way back once upon a time. And I think he said it's seven games a year where you're just going to get your doors blown off. Nothing's going to go right for you, and everything's going to go right for the other team. And the Grizzlies have already kind of met that threshold, so that lets you know. Especially for a, for a team that has designs on being, being a playoff team, that's too many of those. You don't, especially consecutively, you don't want to see that many games in, in a close proximity that you're losing like that. Uh, and, and there's a problem when that happens. And yeah, man, that that's what we've been seeing. But uh, I, hopefully, we don't see many more of those because I mean, you just want to compete. When you're a good basketball team, nine times out of ten, nine games out of ten, you want to come out and compete. You just don't want to get blown out these 20, 20, 30 point losses all the time. Um, I mean, it's just because that's just a lack of effort. I mean, when you look at across the NBA, even the worst teams, there's talent on all basketball teams. Uh, Even the worst team in the league shouldn't be getting beat by 45. I mean, that's just that's just effort uh, when when it comes to that. And the body language was not good in that Minnesota game, but it was completely different tonight, man. They flipped the switch and hopefully they can carry this momentum into a three game homestand. Because, again, three winnable games on the home floor. And if they play like they played tonight, they can get all three of them and be on a four-game winning streak before they go up to Toronto to face the Raptors for the second time within seven days. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that day after Thanksgiving game against the Hawks. The Hawks have been been pretty rough, um, like yeah. pretty bad on the road this season. And that's – I hate to even say that because I feel like it's going to backfire on me. But I, I just – I always enjoy that matchup. You, you know, you hear the, the comparisons and talk of – Trey and Ja, and, and Trey was able to lead that Hawks team to uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year. Got a lot of help around him, and they've been a, a much better team after Nate McMillan took over. But that that game right there, I I just – I think that one is probably the most exciting for me out of these next three. The Kings are going – you know, they just fired Luke Walden. Should have happened a long, long time ago. Yeah, man, long time long, ago. Long time ago. <laughs> But uh, Alvin Gentry took over as the interim. You know, don't know what's going to happen from here. There were some people that were kind of wanting Doug Christie to step up and take that yeah. because, you know, he had the fans. But w- whatever happens there, there's too much talent 
on that Kings team oh, for, for sure. them yeah. not to be competing, at least for the play-in, man. And, yeah. and that's, you know, you look at the Hawks last year before McMillan took over, and they were terrible. They were not playing well at all. McMillan took over and then led that team to the Eastern Conference Finals. So a coach can make a ton of difference. Hopefully, you know, the switch over, getting, getting Walton out and letting Gentry take over, you'll see – something, you know, that they can be bad against the Grizzlies on Sunday. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but, you know, I know quite a few Kings fans. Um, most of that, I met most of them actually um, whenever I started dealing with uh, with Hootwall. And so I, I want it for them because I know as a fan, I, I've been a Buccaneers fan pretty much my entire life, and I went through some rough season with them. And so I, I know the feeling of, you know, cheering for your team, even though you know that they're going to be terrible. So big changes there. But, you know, with, with the changes there, the Hawks being bad on the road and this Raptors team kind of still finding their footing, you know, I, I don't know. I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Raptors games. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really I seen any rap, Raptors this year. I don't know what's going on with them. I just kind of looked at some stuff tonight and looked at their record. They've been kind of struggling, especially. I think they've lost like three out of, out of their last four, and they've lost to some bad teams. I'm not sure what's going on there. I kind of check some of the box scores and see Occam is playing well. And, I mean, they got guys playing well and just not – winning games. I mean, it seems like their defense is struggling. They're giving up a lot of points in games. So that's kind of what it looks like it's been for them because that team uh, has a lot of talent on it. Uh, just like I said, all three of these teams that are coming in, even despite their records, they all have a lot of talent, so they all can beat you. But the way they're playing right now, again, I get the Grizzlies play well and being on the home floor. I think they could win. We're forced with the Hawks are concerned. Uh, I think Trey Young is kind of struggling kind of with the new way that they're, they're calling fouls. He's adjusted to that, and I think that's Cause their struggles a little bit. I mean, he's getting getting better, but I mean, he, he's even even admitted kind of that he's struggling with not not getting the same foul calls that he got. So that's going to be something to watch on Friday night. But definitely, you love that that matchup because even though they're in the Eastern Conference, it's kind of a team where the Grizzlies have kind of developed a rivalry. Where they don't really like each other. They've got some kind of Trey Young with some some run ins uh, with, with guys on on this team, and, and I don't think they like each other much. And it always seems to be a little extra when they play against each other. So that's definitely going to be a, a fun match, post-Thanksgiving matchup on, on Friday night. I'm looking forward to that. Yep, same, man. That's uh, the, Don't ever know what's going to happen with this Grizzlies team. Again, great win tonight, and I'm hoping after that team meeting that they do turn the corner. Jaron Jackson Jr., his best game of the season by far, knocking down the game-winning shot, jumped off my couch yelling and screaming, acting like an idiot. My, my, my toddler was in the floor. And she just looked at me like she she was down there playing with her toys. And when he made that shot, I was just like, yes. You'll get it one day. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just hold that toy looking at me like I was nuts, man. It's, But I was pumped, man. So happy. Happy for him to knock down that shot because, man, the level of slander for Jaron Jackson has been ruthless. Man, I, I can't. So understand. happy for him. Like, I, I just, I can't wrap my mind around a fan base being so toxic toward its own players. And, and it's funny to watch it. It's so crazy because this time last year, it was Dylan Brooks. Like he yeah. was the guy that ever. It's always, it's always a guy. guy. It's always yeah. somebody that's a scapegoat. There, there's somebody that the, the fan base is just hammering on. And, you know, just dig into the numbers. If you dig into the numbers, you can see what this team does when Jaron's on the floor as compared to when he's off the floor. And you're going to know that he is worth every single penny of that contract. I think that he can outperform that contract fairly easily, honestly. And 
you know, we'll just see. Only time will tell. There's going to be a lot of people eating crow whenever this is said and done, in my opinion. But, um, you know, huge night for him. 26 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, two steals. The three to win the game, uh, a massive block on Gobert. I was so happy about that. You yeah, know, they, in fact, that's the winner tip. I mean, they had to have that. And mm-hmm. winner tip, just massive plays uh, for him. And I, and I don't think we're going to hear much Jaron Slander until Wednesday night. And if he struggles there, it'll be back. But at least we don't have to have to hear that for, for at least a day or so here. And I, I'm going to be glad. But you could just see Jaron, it felt like a weight was lifted off his shoulder. In the walk-off interview and even in the post-game presser, uh, you could just tell how loose he was, man. I, I could tell that he, that a weight that had been lifted off because he hears his stuff. I mean, he's even had some cryptic tweets that kind of hint at that, that he's acknowledging that he's taking a lot of criticism. And, and I think, and, I, and I've talked about this on here before, I just think a lot of it, I think eventually, I think it gets to you. Um, I, you can see out there at times where he's thinking on the floor and just not reacting. I think he he's worried about, he's got a reputation of, Get a lot of fouls, so I think he's worried about that. That the refs gonna call fouls on him. Um, he even talked about that tonight. He's like, Man, we don't expect to get any calls, uh, that, that you can't expect that. And he and he kind of backtracked, it was like he didn't want to say it was just a grizzly thing, but I could tell that he was meaning like us as the grizzlies, we don't get any calls, which is true. Uh, they they really don't get any calls. I'm not a person that likes to hop on a fish thing, but it, it's clear that certain teams get calls and certain guys get calls, and the grizzlies at times don't get that, even. John Morant, who is a, a button superstar in the league. Now, I had a big, big night to free throw line tonight. What did he, what did he shoot at the free throw line? It was 14. 11 for 14. Yeah, I got 14 attempts. But there are nights where he continues to go to the hole hard, just get hammered and doesn't get any calls. And I, I still don't understand it. But again, I, I, I felt really good for Jerry because you could just tell how loose he was and felt good that he had a really big game. And hopefully he can build off this. But I think a lot of people, like you said, they're going to have crow served up, man, for fork, knife, and spoon. Uh, coming up with Jaron because he's super talented and he just has to put it together consistently. And I was talking to someone on Twitter tonight, a, 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 a hater, I'll say, I can't even remember who it was, but I was like, this is why they paid Jaron. They didn't pay Jaron because of the body of work that he has in, in, before this season. They paid Jaron for what he could be in the future. And tonight that was on full display. This is why you pay the guy. They made the right decision because this is what you can get from, from a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. If he puts this together, consistently with what Jaws doing. I mean, you have your two guys there. You just build around them, and you'll have a championship roster. Uh, that, that's that's how you, especially in a small market, you keep your guys. You can't let that guy get out of here in, 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 a, in a small market like Memphis, man. You have to pay your own guys because you're not going out and getting these big-time guys in free agency. I, I do think that they'll do a little bit better in free agency because I think having Jaw, that's something they've never had a guy like that. And I think that does carry some weight. They're still not going to do the same thing that L.A. does and some of these other markets, but I think it'll be a little bit better. But, again, when you have homegrown talent like that, guys, that you drafted in a small market, you have to hold on to them. And you saw what he did tonight. That's what he's capable of, and that's why they paid him. Yeah, I think one thing that that fans are not noticing, and I've I've noticed a few people kind of discussing it, the, the way that they've done this contract with Jaron, you know, it's there's no doubt that – Next year, Jaw's going to get a max, probably like $230 million. Deal, right? Like they're, they're just going <laughs> to back, back it up, it up and uh, unload it for him. <laughs> but with Jaron's contract, they've got room for another max. And, and I, that's like the front office does not get enough credit. So now you've got Jaron on this contract. You've got Jaw, who is going to get maxed. 
you can go out with all these assets and you can make a move and sign a guy that's going to de- demand another max. Who, who are you going to get? Who are you going to go after? DeAndre Ayton didn't get his contract extension in Phoenix. If something happens in Phoenix and the wheels fall off and they're like, you know, okay, we're, we're going to move Ayton because we're not going to sign him. Is that a guy that you'd be interested in going after? And it doesn't have to be. I'm not saying that I've heard that the Grizzlies are, are going after DeAndre Ayton or that I'm encouraging the Grizzlies to go after Ayton. Because, well, first off, I don't have that kind of pull. But secondly, I you know, he's just a guy that I know didn't get his max extension, but he's somebody that they could trade for and sign, you know, do a sign and trade deal. Hey, you know, here we go. We got this max for you. We'll give it to you. And that, that is, that's huge. That's a ton of flexibility because like you said, odds are they're, they're not going to attract like these bigger markets. They're not going to pull a guy in like a, a Paul George or, you know, somebody like that because of the size of the market, but they can trade for a guy and give them the max because of the way that they structured this Jaron contract. And that, that's huge. That's, that does not, Zach Kleiman in this front office does not get enough credit for the way that they structured that deal. Yeah, and, and that was done. That was definitely done purposely. That wasn't just, oh, well, that's how we're going to do it. They knew what they were doing when they structured that contract. And, and one guy that, that sticks out to me, man, is, is Miles Bridges. Uh, that's a name that I've looked at. I mean, he's having a monster year right now, man. 22 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Um, not shooting fantastic from three. Um, he shot 40% on 4.4 attempts last year. He's shooting a lot more this year, almost double. He's shooting 7.2 attempts at 33%, but he's a capable three-point shooter. Then the athleticism, and you know he already has a, a chemistry with Jaron, that really good friends uh, from, from their time at, at, at Michigan State. Uh, I, I think he would fit in tremendously uh, with, a, with a point guard like John. I could definitely see him being a guy that, that they, they, they take a look at. Uh, you know Jaron's going to be in their ear uh, if that possibility comes up, uh, but, but that's kind of a name that I would watch. I, I think that might be a guy that they could actually go and get, and I think Jared Jackson Jr. being them being such good friends, I think it definitely helped with that. Uh, but you look at the these future draft picks, man, and the Grizz have it, it is crazy to go back to a few years ago where I mean they, they were just locked up, man. They didn't have any money, mm-hmm. they didn't have any draft picks. I mean, it just looked bleak uh during the time when they were breaking everything up. It didn't look good for them. Uh, but right now, man, they're loaded, man, with three first round picks this year. And I was kind of looking at the protections on those tonight. Um, I think the the Lakers pick is protected one to ten, so anything eleven or below, uh, the pick goes to the Grizzlies. So even if they don't make the playoffs, I mean they're going to be a team that's probably right right there on the customer. So that pick is pretty much guaranteed to go to the Grizzlies. Same thing with Utah; the pick is projected one to six. So unless something completely goes off the rails for them, anything seven or below, that pick goes to the Grizzlies. So they're pretty much guaranteed to have all three of those picks this year. And there's no way that they're going to take three rookies in the first round. I mean, that's just not what they're going to do. So they have ammunition, man, to go up and and do something if they they want to do it. Um, And and I think we're going to see that Uh, because, again, they're not going to take three guys, whether that's moving in a package for a veteran player or they move all three picks to try to get up higher in the draft. We'll see what happens. But they're going to make a move, Um, and they're stacking these assets. This front office, in that vein, as far as, future asset collection and you talk about structure to deal for Jaron to, to set up there. They know exactly what they're doing with that. And and I'm excited about it because I think 
all of this stuff is going to end up paying off in the long run. Uh, the, 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 I mean, again, and this even usually have to go through a real rough patch with a team uh, being deep in the lottery and stuff. We haven't even dealt with that here. I mean, this is probably if it wasn't for a couple of injuries that first year, they probably make the playoffs that year. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, this is something unique that you don't usually see with a team rebuilding. Uh, I think I don't think we get enough people give that this front office enough credit for that, that we're kind of winning in a rebuild. And that's just something that you don't see. But again, man, I'm excited about the future and, and, and the possibilities because they definitely have some ammo to go out and do some things. Yeah, I, I've mentioned a couple times, and I'll stick to this. They they were a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. away from beating the the Trailblazers in the bubble. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, and, and that would have been you know two years in a row that they're in the playoffs. So that that's it, it's we we take it for granted. You know, like we see what these guys have done, and we we expect them to take a step up from what they've done in the previous years. And the step up, like, well, I won't say the steps sometimes are not always forward. Sometimes you get lateral movement before you can take those steps forward. And that is where this, you know, the trade with, with JV and Adams and the picks and all this stuff, you know, I, I'm coming into the season. said so I felt like it would be kind of a step back. Um, a lot of people thought it was going to be a lateral move. Yeah. I was going to, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, like I, I, I'm still not sure exactly where that's going to be. I, I think that if we get this team that play the jazz tonight, then, you know, it, it was definitely like a lateral or maybe even a step forward to go up and get the guy that they wanted in the draft. But that's something climate has not been hesitant to do. You know, if he sees a guy and he wants him, he, you know, he moved up to get Bain. He moved up to get Tillman moved up to get Zaire. He moved up to get, moved up, get Alabama. You yeah. know, he, he is not afraid to pull the trigger if there's a guy that he really likes. But my question is, we, we've been talking about development. And he said before the season that it was going to be a couple-year process with Zaire. Do you really think going into next year that we're going to hear this development talk again? And are they going to move up to get a guy in the draft? Do you feel like it's a rookie? that they're going to be targeting. And, and I got to say, man, I, I don't, I don't think that it's a rookie that they're going to be targeting. I think that they're going to package these picks either sometime around the trade deadline this year or in the off season next year. Look at a team. Let, let's look at the standings right now. And you look at a team that has somebody that could help the Memphis Grizzlies and, and a team that's underperforming right now, the Indiana Pacers at eight and 11, the Toronto Raptors, you know, you're looking Indiana, Miles Turner, uh, Toronto, uh, Siakam, guy, teams that, that are underperforming that the Grizzlies could put a package together and go out and get a guy to maybe get that, you know, that third piece to push them to the next level. And, and I feel like it's going to be a veteran guy that's going to do that, not another rookie. Yeah, real quick, go back to, to something you just mentioned. I mean, Zach Kleiman, at the end of the, the season uh, press presser last year, uh, basically said, I mean, he said the path on a rebuild is not always linear. And I think he was kind of foreshadowing possibly moving JV. And I think they knew that they, that they could possibly take a, a swing on a guy to draft. And they definitely did that. A huge swing with Zaire Williams. I think he was kind of setting us up for that. They weren't going to be all in as far as bringing in veterans, at least to start the season. Um, but the Jaren contract, like you said, the way they structured it, leaves the door open for, for bringing in another 
big contract guy. And, and I agree with you. I, I don't think, I don't think we could know if it happens at the trade deadline this year or during the draft or this offseason. I don't think we're going to be talking about development going into next year. I don't, again, they're definitely not taking three first round guys. And I don't even think they're going to take two, was it, unless it's like you might see them do something on the back end of the first round. But I don't think they're going to take two guys in the top half of the draft. I just don't think that they're, that's where they are. I think they want to move for, for, further ahead than that. So I think he's at the deadline. I mean, we talked about this. I mean, you look at this roster and, and their guys, uh, we you talking about Kyle, uh, Stephen Adams, uh, Tyus Jones, maybe even Brandon Clark, which I wouldn't want to move him. But you kind of look at the Brandon and X thing, and they kind of have to figure that out. And Brandon would have more value on, on the trade market. All those guys could be possible guys that you look at to, to move. And then you have all the draft, future draft pick and draft capital, even several second rounders coming up. A lot, a lot of, a lot of things you could put together there to, to, to get a guy. And you talk about these teams that are struggling. Toronto, you look at a guy like Pascal Siakam, and you add him uh, to this roster, and, and you're really, really ready to compete. So I definitely think they're going to go that route versus bringing in more young guys because I think you're already trying to develop Zara Williams, and, and you, you move up and get Santiago Dumbling. You have enough young talent that you're still trying to develop, man. You need to try to move on with move with some veterans. I think that's one thing that this team is really lacking right now. And I think with the assets they have, I think they're ready to kind of take that leap forward. And, and I think we could see that even starting at the deadline. Yeah, man, completely agree with you. You know, the asset management and what they do moving forward, it, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be tough to kind of sit back and wait on this to happen. But I have full faith in this front office Kleiman has pretty much hit home runs. Some people would argue that in trading Grayson Allen and trading JV, but th this is, uh, to, to me, this franchise is in the best place that it's ever been. And, and that that's saying a lot because during the core four era, they were in a, in a really good spot. But I think that you could definitely argue that they're in a better spot now than they've ever been. Yeah, definitely projecting forward and, and assets they had. Um, a lot of stuff kind of just, and, and you always, you never, never want to say luck, but during the core where a lot of that stuff kind of materialized over time, they kind of fell into some certain things. This, this front office that we have now is proactive. The regime under Chris Wallace, and Chris was a great guy. I mean, I, I got an opportunity to meet him. He gave me cell phone number. I, I used to talk to him, man, really good guy, but. I, that front office was a lot more reactive than, than this front office. This front office is going to go get their guys. They're going to, when, when, when they have an opportunity to make moves, they're going to go do it. That the, the old regime was just handled things differently. And it's kind of a breath of fresh air to have some, a, a new set of eyes, a new kind of thinking uh, in the front office. And so I, I agree with you. I think right now, as far as the franchise, I think they're healthier than, than they've ever been uh, because I think, the ceiling is a lot higher. I mean, we talked about the core four era and they did make it to the Western Conference Finals that year, called a break uh, with the Thunder there in the second rounds and injuries. Uh, but I think you could really sit back and dream of this team winning a championship. Uh, and, and to do something like that, we saw what Milwaukee did last year, that it can be done in, in a small market. It might take some breaks. They got some, some breaks last year. But I think you look at Ja and Probably, probably hasn't even reached his ceiling yet, which is scary to even talk about. And you saw what Jaron did tonight. If he can be that guy consistently, you think about adding another guy to this, it really starts looking like that they could put a championship roster here together. So that, that's fun to think about. And I think Grizzly fans should be really excited, even though they, they've taken their struggles 
year, I, I think the future is very bright for this team. And to have a a, a guy like Job Moran, I think, is the catalyst to to those dreams. Uh, I mean, to we've never had a guy. We've had very good players here at Mike Conley, Marcus All, Zach Randolph, uh, Tony Allen, and what he was able to do on defense. But they, I don't think they've ever had a generational talent like John Moran. I think that's what he is. I think he's an all NBA type player, definitely a, a future all star, and maybe even a guy that could be an MVP conversation. I mean, right now, the numbers he's putting up, I mean, he's in that conversation right now. So that's going to be fun uh, go, going forward. And I, and I have confidence in this front office that they're going to gonna get it done. And I think we're going to be, it's going to be a fun ride over the, over the next three or four years. Yeah. You know, the Bucks and the way that they've done it, you know, it, it's a, a great thing to look at because they essentially done that with, you know, um, they trapped, drafted Middleton on Kumpo and, you know, they tried to kind of build within and then they realized that they needed that one other piece to get them over the edge. And that piece was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. And that's what they, they needed a guy that was a, a difference maker. They went out and got him and they were able to get it done. So, you know, kudos to them. Hopefully we can see the same thing happen here in Memphis. I think we're going to wrap it up there, guys. Anything else from you, Isaac, before we go? I hate to always say that we're going to wrap it up and I never – I do that before I find out if you're done. No, man, that's just a great win tonight. Uh, re- resiliency shown again. Get down six. Bogdanovich just going nuts. Uh, there that, that, that fourth quarter, it just felt like I me. Mean, he was knocking those shots down, and and it was tough because I had just tweeted uh, when they when they tied the game. I think they might have even been up by two. I was like, man, they, they're right here, man. And to all the good that they've done tonight, it, it would really be nice to see them rewarded uh, for their efforts. And then you see Bogdanovich go nuts. They go up six and you're like, man, they're going to come up just short. It's going to be a great effort, but they're not going to be able to get the win. See them being able to pull this off, man, and, and, and to be rewarded for the improvements that they made tonight, man. It was really, really great to see. So I'm glad they were able to come out and get this win, especially with, with Jaron Jackson Jr. just having a, a tremendous night, def, definitely his best game of, the, of the, this season. And it was just good to see, man. So glad they were able to come out on top. Yep. So we'll get out of here. You can get me on Twitter. I'm at dwill2111. The, the show's Twitter handle has changed. And I actually told you all the wrong one last night or in the last episode. It's at ethos grizzlies. Yeah. And I, I told everybody not who ball anymore. Yet. Yep. No, no longer who ball. We are sports ethos. The show is at ethos grizzlies. That's E T H O S grizzlies at ethos grizzlies. Come and find us on Twitter. We enjoy the conversation. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore rivals. And again, man, no more hoop balls at Ethos Grizzlies, E-T-H-O-S Grizzlies. Uh, So go check us out over there, man. Give us a follow. Definitely appreciate it. We'll be back later this week, man. Three three home games, three game homestand. Going to be at home for six days, able to sleep in their own beds, a day off in between these games. So going to be fun. Uh, But uh, until next time, we go.